Thanks for tuning in to the IGM podcast. We're so glad you've decided to explore God's word with us. We look forward to connecting with you in email at infointegritygm.com or online at our website, www.integritygm.com. We hope this podcast encourages you to grow in the knowledge of God through his word. Be blessed. Blessings to everyone today in the name of Yeshua the Messiah. Today it is myself and my wife, my wife for life, and we are going to be looking at Amos, Amos chapter 6, and I encourage you like I do in every podcast to go back and see and read and listen to the preceding chapters and look at what is being said. Chapter 5 was such a call to repentance about seeking the Lord that you may live, and what God is looking for is not just the form of worship or the verbal expression of worship, but he's looking for God's character to flow through their lives. Chapter 5, verse 24, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. God is looking for the character of Israel, Samaria, Zion, Jerusalem, Judea, to reflect his character, and that is what is important to God. This is really the essence of what the law is all about. The other aspects of the law do not have any value or meaning if the life does not represent the character of God. So chapter 5 was a call to repentance, seek the Lord that you may live. And if they would have turned back to God and listened to Amos later, listened to Hosea, Isaiah, listened to Micah, Listen to these prophets and turned from their ways, God would have turned back and changed his mind about the destruction that he's getting ready to bring upon them. First is going to go the northern kingdom in 721, 722, 721 BC. Later on, the southern kingdom will be destroyed by Babylon in 586 BC. Amos is preceding both of these destructions, and he is focusing more on the northern kingdom of Israel, but Judah as well. And he's talking about the Assyrians that will come in the future, and they will destroy the northern kingdom, but they will also devastate the southern kingdom of Judah. They will destroy and conquer 46 cities within the south. God will protect Jerusalem and Jerusalem will come under judgment later on. So let's move into chapter 6, a little bit of the background of what we're dealing with, and let's go to what the prophet is saying to Zion and to Samaria. Woe to those who are at ease at Zion, and to those who feel secure in the mountain of Samaria. The distinguished men of the foremost of nations to whom the house of Israel comes... So in verse 1, he is calling to them as a prophet, Woe to you that are comfortable, that are at ease in Zion and in Samaria, you noble men that are foremost among the peoples, the nations, to whom the house of Israel comes, comes to you. Woe to you. You better listen to what the prophet is saying. Verse 2, he says, Go over to Kalne and look. And go from there to Hamat the Great. Then go down to Goth 
of the Philistines, are they, are, are you better than these kingdoms? It can be translated, they or you. When you look at this, what the prophet is reminding them, go to southern Mesopotamia, go to Babylon and see the city of Kalne. See how powerful it was, how fortified it was, but yet it was captured. An invading army came in and possessed it. Look at Hamat to the north, north of the territory or the boundaries of the northern kingdom in Syria, and look how it was captured as well. Go down to the city of Goth, which is one of the five cities of the Philistines, and that's where Goliath came from. Look how it was captured, how it was seized. Look at these places. If you want a reminder of how quickly things can change, look at these places. Samaria and Jerusalem are fortified cities. It's a time of peace. It's a time of prosperity. It is also a time of sin, but they're very comfortable. They're very much at ease. And the prophet is saying, woe to those who are at ease. Look at these cities. Look at what has happened. It's coming to you as well. Yes, look at Venezuela, the richest country in South America, and they also turn to socialism. Socialism is really a turn away from God and a turn that government becomes their God and government will take care of every need that they have. And it's really based upon coveting because they're coveting what others have and they're demanding through theft. It becomes tyranny that you take from one person and you give to me. But look at Venezuela. They were eating out of garbage cans fleeing to other countries by the millions, and it was the most prosperous country within South America. Now, earlier, Amos is going to say to the northern kingdom, prepare to meet your God. There is a judgment that is coming, and it's not just going to be the economic system that's going to be destroyed. I mean, these cities, Jerusalem, eventually with the Babylonians, but Samaria by the Assyrians will be penetrated, it will be seized, and it will be destroyed, and they will be taken off as slaves into a foreign land. So things can change quickly. Think about America. Everybody's at ease. Everybody's thinking about themselves and their own houses and their own wealth, but how quickly it can change in just a moment. And as this country is headed towards Marxism, socialism, you can see the same dynamics that change in a short amount of time. So I don't want to get off on that, but I do want to talk about the judgment of God. As people forget about God, even when there's prosperity and it's a time of peace, they develop a false sense of security that everything is okay. And this is what Amos is saying, woe to you that is at ease. Now, I did not finish verse 2, but let's finish this verse. Let me read it again. Go over to Kalne and look, and go from there to Hamat the Great. Then go down to Goth of the Philistines. Are they better, or are you better than these kingdoms, or is their territory greater than yours? 
If you took the territory of these three places, it was tremendous territory. And so do not develop a false sense of security because there is peace and prosperity today. It can change in a minute or in a moment, I should say. Verse 3, do you put off the day of calamity and would you bring near the seat of violence? Question mark. They don't realize calamity is right there. They don't believe that they will see it within their day, but it is calling and they are bringing the violence near to themselves. Verses 4 through 7 talks about a little bit of that ease that they're living in. Those who recline on beds of ivory and sprawl on their couches, just like a teenager that's come home from school and they just jump on the couch and their arms and their legs are just sprawled out over the couch, and sprawl on their couches and eat lambs for the flock and calves from the midst of the stall. We have an idiom here in America that calls someone that is doing that a couch potato. They just on the couch, laying around, eating, watching TV, entertainment, but they're very much at ease. And this is what the prophet is picturing these two places. Who improvise to the sound of the harp, and like David have composed songs, not for God, but for whom? For themselves. Yes, for themselves. Who drink wine from sacrificial bowls, while they anoint themselves with the finest of oils, yet they have not grieved over the ruin of Joseph. They're physically doing fine, prosperous, but they are spiritually sick. This is very much the same depiction that Jesus had for the church at Laodicea. They were wealthy, did not have a need of anything, But Jesus is going to say that you are poor and naked and miserable. And they should have looked at the spiritual condition in Samaria, the citadel of the north, and in Jerusalem, the citadel of the south, and recognize we're sick. We have a problem. We need to repent of all of our sin. But it's very hard when you're living in prosperity to see the reality of what is right at your door. So let's continue here. Verse 7, therefore they will now go into exile at the head of the exiles. The noblemen will go at the head, and the sprawlers banqueting will pass away. Or it can be translated, and the sprawlers cultic feast will pass away. All the leading men and families of that society, they will be at the front of the exile. Think about Amos chapter 4, the cows of Bashan, the leading ladies in the north, They were the divas. They had everything that they wanted. They had their servants, and they would even order their husbands around to do stuff for them. They're going to be at the head. Their husbands are going to be at the head, and they will go into exile first. Yes. Now, not every time do people follow the leaders. We can see examples of that. But when shepherds or leaders or noble people within society, if they are truly repenting from the heart and leading in a way that represents God 
Yeah, yes, it's going to have an impact upon society. But it's very hard in a time of peace and prosperity. People normally turn to God in a time of crisis. And in the prophets, there are times in which God says, I withheld rain from your cities. I allowed your cities to be attacked. I brought a famine on the land, but you did not return to me. Sometimes when we're going through hard times, those are the most precious times because it draws us back to reality that God is our refuge. And in Samaria and in Jerusalem, that is not the reality. Now let's go to verse 8. The Lord God has sworn by himself, the Lord God, Yahweh, Elohim of hosts, has declared, I loathe the arrogance of Jacob and detest his citadels. Therefore, I will deliver up the city and all it contains. I believe this is focusing on Samaria, but because he said, the citadels, plural. It could be talking about Samaria or Jerusalem, or it could be talking about the major cities within the north. So God is saying, I will deliver up the city, Samaria, and all it contains. And it will be, if 10 men are left in one house, they will die. Then one's uncle or his undertaker will lift him up to carry out his bones from the house, and he will say to the one who is in the innermost part of the house, Is anyone else with you? And that one will say, No one. Then he will answer, Keep quiet, for the name of the Lord, of Yahweh, is not to be mentioned because of this invading army force that is coming in. And this is supposed to be the name of their God, and they are to be quiet, not to speak that name, because others are coming to take possession of the city. For behold, the Lord is going to command that a great house be smashed to pieces and the small house to fragments." Remember the summer house and the winter house. He is saying the rich, the poor, or either the first house or the second house, they are all going to be destroyed. Do horses run on rocks? Question mark. No. Or does one plow them with oxen? No. Yet you have turned justice into poison and the fruit of righteousness into wormwood or bitterness. So what they have done is like horses running on rocks or plowing those rocks with oxen. This is what they are doing with their actions, turning justice into poison and the fruit of righteousness into bitterness. You who rejoice in Lodabar and say, have we not by our own strength taken Karnaim for ourselves? Verse 13 is again a sense of false security because Lodabar is north of the tribe of Gad and it has come into the possession of Israel. And then you look at Karnaim is up in the north as well, in the territory known as Bashan, and it has come under the authority or the rule of the northern kingdom. And so these two cities that used to be under foreign control is now under their possession. So when they look at it, God is with us. God is protecting us. God is providing for us. We do not have anything to fear.
Yes, they are always using illustrations that the local people who they're ministering to can recognize what he's talking about. Sometimes for us, it's a little bit difficult because we do not know these places. So you have to study to know the original intent and understand the background historically, culturally, here sometimes even from an economic standpoint to understand some of these principles that Amos is talking about. And I've said it in many of my podcasts, and let's say it again. Every false prophet that you see in the Bible, Old Covenant, New Covenant, are prophets, men and women, there are some prophetesses, that speak prosperity and peace in a time of rebellion against God. All the true prophets are preaching a message of repentance. And this is something that's consistent through God's Word. If you want to know who represents God and who does not represent God, think about Jeremiah. We've been teaching the book of Jeremiah here in Birmingham. And Jeremiah represented the Lord, and he's preaching repentance, but the priests and the prophets and the sages and the monarchy and the judges, they're all preaching peace and prosperity, standing against Jeremiah, and they're preaching peace and prosperity. Yet the whole nation is living in sin, idolatry, immorality, social injustice, real social injustice, where they're cheating people and taking from them who want more and more. And it goes on, the immorality of every kind that you can think of within the land. And the only message that God will listen to, or let me say it this way, the only prayer that God will listen to when a person, a family, a people, a nation is living in sin is a prayer of repentance. So true prophets are calling them back to God, and that is what Amos is doing. He is saying, seek the Lord that you may live. Turn from these ways and do what is right within your lives. It's not about what you see in the temporary context, peace and prosperity. Know that God is in charge, and he will not allow this to continue. Think about the eternal things of God, and God is saying, stop it. And you have to turn around and put your eyes upon him that you may live. And true prophets recognize sin, and they call the people back to God. And we're living in a culture here in the West where you have so much sin, not only within the nation, but within the church itself. And you still have these false prophets that are preaching peace and prosperity and everything's okay and God is for you and God wants to prosper you. Contextually, if you put them back in the time of Amos, these are the false prophets. If you put them back in the time of Jeremiah, these are the false prophets. And so we have to know the Word of God to recognize who represents him and who doesn't represent him. No, that's just some crazy teachings that come out of Bethel out in California and the charismatics sometimes. I call them the crazy charismatics. They just invent new ways of understanding things. Prophecy, the word, is a seer. God is using Amos to see in the future 
what he's about to do. That is true in the Old Covenant. It is true in the New Covenant. So not everything that a prophet does is looking in the future and showing or telling what God is about to do. That's not 100% of what his ministry is all about. But what defines him as a prophet, what is prophecy, is looking in the future. God is showing that person, allowing him to see what he's about to do, and prophesying, foretelling, this is what's about to take place. And this is what Amos is doing. It's what Jeremiah is doing. It's what Isaiah is doing. Let's go to the New Covenant. Agabus, this is what he did as well. He prophesied and said a famine was coming. And the believers, the church, recognized that he was a true prophet, and they started to prepare for that. Agabus was a prophet because God showed him something in the future. He prophesied about it, and it came true. And what a prophet prophesies must come true true. That's what defines them as a prophet. They must prophesy in the name of the Lord only and what God shows them. And when they say, thus saith the Lord, this is what God is doing, it must come true. And if it doesn't come true, then that individual is not a true prophet. Yes, that's correct. And remember when Paul came down, I think it was to Caesarea, not Caesarea Philippi, but Caesarea, and Agabus was there. And and God showed him that when Paul goes to Jerusalem, they're going to bind him and begged him not to go. God showed him, gave him a word of knowledge or a prophecy of what's going to take place for him in Jerusalem. But Paul says, I know this, God has already showed this to me. So it kind of functioned with confirming what God had already showed to Paul, but he knows that he must go to Jerusalem. And Agabus is saying, they're going to bind you. That's before he gets there. So I would agree with that. Agabus had the reputation that he did what he did say and say that God showed him and he began to prophesy it did come true. If a person prophesies and it doesn't come true, I tell them, do not prophesy again. They can't I, practice? Say it again? They can't just practice? No. That's I, a teaching going around now. Again, that comes out of Bethel in California that you can practice, you can learn how to prophesy. They even come into churches and try to teach people to prophesy. Remember, when you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that these gifts are distributed to the body according to the will of God. It is God who distributes these gifts, not man. Mm -hmm. I will never try to teach anyone to prophesy. I will never try to teach anyone to do anything. I'm going to teach them to seek God. And it is God that distributes the gifts to the body, the body of Christ, according to his will. So let's read verse 13 again. He says, You who rejoice in Lodabar and say, Have we not by our own strength taken Karnaim for ourselves? Look, we're expanding. We're not decreasing. We are expanding. Look at verse 14 as we're closing out this chapter. For behold, I'm going to raise up a nation against you. This is going to be Assyria. O house of Israel, declares the Lord God of hosts, and they will afflict you from the entrance of Hamat, 
way up in the north. In fact, Hamat was part of Solomon's kingdom as Israel expanded during his time. All the way north of the boundaries of Israel to the brook of the Arabah. The Arabah was between the valley between the Dead Sea and the Red Sea, the Gulf of Aqaba, today what we look at a lot down by the Red Sea, that valley in between. So what he is saying from the north of Israel all the way to the south of Judah, God is going to afflict you. There is an affliction that is coming upon Samaria, upon Jerusalem, upon Israel, upon Judah, and God's judgment is about to come, and they are not listening. We have to listen to the Word of God. Now, somebody may say, well, this only applies to Amos 2,700 plus years ago. It doesn't apply to us. The principle does. That same principle does apply to us. Look at our own lives. Look at our own situations. What is God saying to us? Are we living in sin or are we pursuing Him? Do not allow a false sense of security to build up within your life. If you're complacent with your walk with God, complacent with your following of the Lord Jesus Christ, listen to the prophet. That same message is speaking to us today. Seek the Lord that you may live. Let justice flow from your life. Let the righteousness of God flow out of your life. Let the fruit of the Spirit be evident of what God is doing within your life. Live for the eternal things of God, not the temporal things of man. Our life is but a vapor. Live it for the glory of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, let us take seriously the prophet Amos and what he is speaking. It is your word. He speaks for you. And let us trust in you and not in man. And Heavenly Father, let us live a life that brings honor to you. And if we live on the street not having anything, Lord, we are blessed because we belong to you. Let us have that mentality and let us have a heart for you and everything that we do. We pray in Yeshua's name. Amen. If you'd like to learn more about IGM or have any questions about this podcast, feel free to reach out to us at info at integritygm.com and connect with us on Instagram at integrity underscore global and Facebook at Integrity Global Missions. If you like our podcast, please share it and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed day.